0: Well, it's good to see you all. My name is Jay, and on behalf of Denali National Park and Preserve and the uh, Talkeen Historical Society, and obviously the National Park Service, welcome. It's good to have you all here. Now, this wonderful model in front of us was produced by the Rauta Corporation of
1: Seattle. This is the Blue Tarp, covering the stories of the northern Susitna Valley as told by those who lived them. Today, we're at the Talkeetna Historical Society Museum. Longtime National Park Service ranger Jay Katzen is describing an impressive scale model of the Alaska Range, home to Denali, North America's highest peak. A short stroll down a boardwalk brings you to the museum's main building that looks a lot like an old schoolhouse. In fact, that's exactly what it was for more than three decades in the 20th century. Today, we peek under the blue tarp at the building that has been a museum, a school, and a home to many over the years.
2: For more than 80 years, the Territorial Schoolhouse building has stood in downtown Talkeetna. Built to be essentially identical to other federally funded schools throughout Alaska in the territorial days, it has served many purposes over the decades beyond hosting classes. It has been a residence, a community gathering place, and today a museum to Talkeetna's past. On this episode of The Blue Tarp, we hear from people who learned, lived, and labored inside of one of Talkeetna's most historic buildings. From the mid-1930s until the early 1970s, the schoolhouse was exactly that. Talkeetna's low population meant that, for much of the time, all classes were held in one building. The first class had just 11 students, ranging from 1st to 8th grade. By the time the last lesson was taught in the building in 1971, the population had grown and only the 1st and 2nd grade classes still used the historic schoolhouse. Pat Pratt is the daughter of well-known Talkeetna old-timer Jim Beaver. She attended class at the original school but had her first grade year cut short after the teacher found himself in ongoing disputes with one of the area's signature industries, aviation.
3: I was in the first grade. I was the only first grader, off in the corner, all by myself, and the teacher, Mr. Lucier, um, we had, there were eight grades, and I think I, I don't know why I know the number, but it was 14 kids because I think we used to just see if we could count count off. And he had um, a wife that he'd married when he was uh, up north. She was Yupik, and she used to come down and tell stories, you know, with strings like the natives' hmm. string. It was really fun. And then they had a baby that year, and my mom was a very good friend of hers. And I remember I'd go upstairs, and if I was really good, I'd get to hold baby. Well, that baby found me, hmm, 60-some years later uh, from my report card over at the school. and oh, uh, which is now the museum. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she said she didn't know much about about her Talkeetna, where she was raised. Her dad never wanted to talk about it much, and she just sort of wondered what happened. And I said, well, that was the year your dad closed the school early because he had a confrontation with... Don Sheldon, and I, I'm not so sure about Hudson, because he, he parked his pl- planes right over by the windows, and they would prop them. And Mr. Lucier was really concerned, one of us kids, were going to run around the building. You know, it was forbidden, don't run around, but you know how kids are. So he wanted them to move, and he didn't want to move, so he... He, he wanted to, the he planes want, to not yeah, be not there. not be there. Kids are fast around mm-hmm. the... Yeah. So he said, fine, and he closed the school. And that's why on my report card it says I may go to second grade if they find a substitute, which they never did. And I was just delighted to get out of school early. Everybody was.
2: Pat also remembers Christmas at the schoolhouse being special that first grade year when Santa showed up with a big bag of toys in a helicopter
3: we looked out the window and he was and it was evening, I remember, mm-hmm. and uh, that's oh. the only time I ever remember all the parents showing up. Mm-hmm. There was no parent teachers' group for sure. <laughs> And I remember Nellie Carlson had to babysit me once for something, and I, you know, kids would wear dresses. I was always getting muddy and dirty, and I just remember her lecturing me saying that you don't have to just wear a dress once. You you know, don't get dirty. (laughs)
2: Chad Valentine also spent first grade at the Territorial Schoolhouse. In the late 1960s, he had come to town from up the tracks, and his classmates were the first children he interacted with outside of his own siblings. He also has a Christmas memory from the schoolhouse that sticks with him to this day.
0: It was Christmas, and again, remember, I was had no, uh, came from just having my family around, and uh, now I have all these kids, and we, they made a big thing about Christmas, and um, we did, uh had a tree in the classroom and that we'd spent all this time decorating. And I just remember we were making all these different ornaments and all this stuff and whatnot. And well, Christmas break came around and we all went home and we still played at the school grounds. And that was something I was thinking about. I walked as a six year old from the FAA downtown all the time, all the time as a six year, six, six year old, you know, so I came, um, I had that first summer to kind of get my feet wet in town and, you know, learn what, yeah, I came from, a, from nothing, two, two, two sisters, <laughs> to kids being around. Um, and then I started school that fall in the Little Red, what everyone referred to as the Little Red Schoolhouse. I just came back to the schoolyard to play, and it was wintertime, outside of the classroom door is our Christmas tree, shoved in the snowbank to get thrown away. They had cleaned, they, after break is over, they had cleaned up the room and got ready for the next season and the teacher just set the Christmas tree outside and as I, oh, no. <laughs> that broke my heart and so I was like, I couldn't believe it. all the time and all the stuff that we did around this Christmas tree, you know, as this, as this new family I had and here's this tree just shoved out in the snowbank. And so <laughs> I can remember, I don't know how I ever did it. I can remember crying and hauling this tree all the way back to the FAA behind over my shoulder. Hauling this tree all the way back crying back to my parent to the, the house and convinced my parents that we had to put this tree up cuz it, it meant so much to
2: Around the same time, Delena Johnson was also a student at the schoolhouse she remembers the last day classes were held there and the transition to a new school building.
4: So I remember that we were we came to school and we went to the little red schoolhouse for a while, and then we walked from we were we walked there one day. They said, "Okay, we're all going to go to our new classrooms," and we may have even taken you know a name from our desk or taken some of our things from our desks and and you know walked behind the teacher over to the to the our new classroom and and got our our places. So yeah. and. Um, I think the principal was Mr. Zek because Mr. Zek, his daughter was in my class. Actually, we had, um, um, I mean, several of the people that were in school with me then
2: went all the way through high school. When we return for part two of this episode, we'll take a look at what the schoolhouse building has become and some of the stories from its current incarnation as a museum.
5: The Blue Tarp is brought to you in part by realtor Deanne Autry with McKinley View Real Estate in Talkeetna, serving the Upper Susitna Valley for all your real estate needs, whether on the road or remote. Call Deanne at 907-671-2323.
2: Just a few years after the students moved out, the Talkeetna Historical Society moved into the schoolhouse and has called it home ever since. Every summer, visitors from around the world stop by to take in Talkeetna's history. In recent years, the building was painted white. That caused a bit of a local stir as many residents knew it for its distinctive red color from the 60s onward. Talkeetna Historical Society Executive Director Sue Dio says the new paint job is actually a return to the original color and that there was one year in particular that Talkeetna residents decided to literally paint the town red.
4: We got a big grant uh, a couple of years ago to repaint, and we had to because the red paint had lead in it, and it was very, that's just not good. Um, and we finally were able to get Erasmus and grant and gotten that. The building we painted and we repainted it white which is what it to make it look exactly like it did the first number of years that it was a school and um there are so many people who've come in and they're like oh it looks exactly as i remember it i think the year was 1959 i don't know that for sure but 59 seems the year that i i think that the the story is one story i've heard is the railroad obtained or had for some reason a lot of red paint um, that was the year Nagley's got painted red. I mean, before that, it was a log building, but it's painted red, and it's, it has stayed painted red. Um, the, um, the Colonel's house that sits down there across the street from now, from uh, the uh, um, Tokina Ranger Station, that was painted red. It was not a red building previous to that. Um, a number of other... There's buildings in town that are red, and that's when they got painted.
2: In addition to keeping up with the historic building, Sue Dio oversees the museum's collection. She says she can't narrow down a favorite item or exhibit housed in the museum, but that new,
4: fascinating items are turning up all the time. But there's a lot of things that I continue to find because when I got here, there were things that were just sort of stacked up and wadded up or put in boxes or whatever. And so every now and I, I unearth another box. It's like, oh, I haven't looked at this one yet. and. Um, I continue to say, "Oh wow, this is just the coolest thing." There's, there's um, some people know what trench art is, and it was trench art was, um, art, that was quote unquote, um, done in the trenches in World War One, and we have a we have a piece of trench art um, that was owned by Mike Trepty or that Mike Trepty did in World War One that has his photograph as well as his wife, and that's totally to me it's fascinating um, not everybody sees that fascination and thinks it's really cool but it's a very cool thing with they're really truly um, uh, you know there are the way it's made is just unbelievable so I, I love that and um, there's a Bible from the late mid1800s that we have that's just unbelievable, really, truly. One of the, that's one of the oldest things we have in the museum. Um, the 1955 quilt um, that was done with everybody's name on it that lived in Talkeetna, and a um, long, long list of things that are really wonderful. Talkeetna's
2: economy in the 21st century revolves around tourism. Sue Dio believes the Historical Society Museum's unique features and authentic small town charm are what keep it
4: popular with visitors. One of the big things is um, what I call them what we call the mountain room or it's this, the old section house now has a scale model of Denali 12 foot by 12 foot model takes up the whole front room and uh, that's a big attraction a lot of people want to see that and uh, we get a lot of people who come there even mountain climbers come in to see it they've mm-hmm. heard about it and they want to see it um, that model was made back in 1969 and has been in that museum in that building since 19. I might get this wrong. 1990 or 91, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and otherwise, I, I think that people just want to know history. You know, we we have a really great uh, rating on TripAdvisor, and people come in because they're like, "Oh, it's a real museum. It's a lo- little local museum." Um, they don't get that most visitors. If you're talking about the people who are on land or and cruise kind of packages like Princess, don't get to see that kind of thing very often. Above the museum is an apartment.
2: Today it's rented out nightly to visitors, but for years it was a residence. When we return, we'll speak with some of the people who called that apartment home over the years. Mm-hmm.
5: The Sheldon Family is a proud supporter and sponsor of KTNA's podcast, The Blue Tarp. As a part of Talkeetna's story, from the late 1930s when Don worked at Frank Jenkins Mine to his epic flying career through Talkeetna Air Service, Roberta, with her passion to preserve the history of Talkeetna, to Robert, Kate, and families in their business efforts to keep their parents' spirits alive. The Sheldon Chalet, Alaska Retreat, and the Sheldon Mountain House are all their efforts to ensure that Talkeetna's story and history remain vibrant for generations to come. For more information, contact Marnie Sheldon at 907-733-2414 or visit www.sheldonchalet.com.
2: While the apartment above the schoolhouse is rented out nightly today, it originally served as a residence for teachers. The first teachers arrived in the 1930s, and various teachers lived there all the way through the early 70s when the school was closed. Kathy Ernst, who lives across the Susitna River from Talkeetna in Trapper Creek, lived in the apartment late in the schoolhouse's tenure.
6: And um, so, um, and I think we had met Nancy and Pete Robinson in in, in Fairbanks when Nancy came up when, when Harlow was born. No, Vin was born. When Vin was born up uh, they moved up they came up there. And Nancy actually is the one who typed my master's thesis. <laughs> so anyhow, so the, those connections of, you know, mm-hmm. come, come on, on down here is you know, this would be really cool. So anyhow, um, so we lived up there. I remember that it was very, very hot, um, because it was poorly insulated. Um, and we had to walk then from there over to the school. And there was a really high snow year. I mean, it was, you know, banks up to here and lots of moose dying. So you had to be really careful on the way to school. And um, there's a wonderful story of uh, Lynn Stevens having a moose come at her. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. Okay, so Lynn's coming, walking with a fur parka on and the moose had been harassed by dogs, and the moose is cranky, and this moose came at her and sort of backed her up against a snowbank, and Lynn went, hey! And the moose went, oh! And took <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs were outside, and there's a, another sort of story connected to that. Um, Bert and Myra Hales we had met because they had started um, the, their cabin out in the woods near us, and so we had this Couple from Texas with a bunch of kids, and she had just married a guy that had a widow or who had quite a few kids, mm-hmm. and um, so they were staying with us one day, and and we heard our dogs barking, and there was a very angry moose out there in the dog lot, and uh, so it was you know you come right down, down the steps and <clears throat> right around the corner to the <clears throat> to the uh, left is where we had a couple a couple dog houses and. Um, we had a, a bitch with pet puppies, too, and um, the moose was barking at her, and, and at one point the moose started stomping, and this is hard-packed snow making grooves, you know, a foot mm-hmm. deep, and the dog is rolling around, and the moose is trying to stomp the dog, and Rick grabbed a broken-off shovel and ran up and whapped the uh, moose in, in the fanny, and so the moose turned around and came for Rick, and he ducked back, ducked back into the, the school, So that's a little bit of drama that we remember from there. (laughs) Wow. So, anyhow, like I said, those are a couple. Wow. And then I guess the other thing I could talk about is just what we—the little life in in Talkeetna, as observed from the windows upstairs. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, you had a bird's eye view. Yes, yes, yes. There was a snow machine race. That happened. Um, the The airfield, and the airfield was in, in regular use then. There was it was before the the FAA airfield.
2: A few years later, around 1975, Pam Reynolds and her family moved into the apartment shortly after the building became the Talkeetna Historical Society Museum. At that time, the apartment had some of the only second-story windows in downtown Talkeetna and Pam got to see and hear much of the activity along Main Street.
7: It was a great place. Uh, at that time, of course, there was nothing, you know, there was not a lot around back mm-hmm. then, you know, not the buildings we have now in Talkeetna. But uh, my bedroom window looked over the village airstrip, and uh, and then my kitchen window looked out at Roberta's backyard and the Fairview and the gas station, which you could, you know, you couldn't really see the gas station very well because of Roberta's house, but you could certainly see the Fairview, and I uh, remember getting, you know, with a a baby, I'd get up with Tamara and feed her in the middle of the night, and uh, one night, it was uh, probably in the springtime, and uh, everything's really quiet, three o'clock in the morning, and dark, and I, I hear this music, and I go, what? And it was a harmonica, and I thought, well what in the world? And I looked out, and come to find out it was Jim Beaver sitting in front of the Fairview, there used to be a, and I think there still is that bench out in front of the Fairview, and he was sitting out there playing his harmonica. I don't know, it, it probably wasn't three o'clock in the morning, it was probably eleven o'clock at night or something, you know. but. Uh, I just knew that that's who it was, just from that harmonica, because I'd heard him he lived across the street, you know, and back then uh Rocky and Beaver were quite the characters around town, everybody knew who they were, even if they were new to town mm-hmm. so uh, that was a uh, that was a welcoming little night you know I had you know living in that building in the in the winter time I, I I remember shoveling snow back there. And uh, we had a snowstorm. It used to snow in Talkeetna, believe it or not.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: And uh, it wasn't snowing at the Y, but it snowed three days in downtown Talkeetna. And trying to keep that walkway clear in the back, and I was throwing snow up over my shoulder. Countless day, three days in a row trying to keep that thing open. So that was something. Then in the spring, you would, I, could, I had to park at the Fairview and walk home because the water was so deep, I couldn't drive through to my parking area mm-hmm. at the apartment. And then in the spring, when the mountain climbing season started, the dust was so horrible you couldn't open your windows. So that was the seasons I went through in that apartment, the short time that I lived there, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, you just never knew what you was going to see living there. I, I remember. And this was right after Don Sheldon passed, because uh Tamar was born, I believe the day after he passed away, oh. so it was you know he hadn't been gone very long from chakeetma, and Robert would be playing back there in the spring and in the summer with his little trucks and everything and he was just a little bitty boy you know, and had just lost his father, and that kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I see Robert now, I think, yeah, I remember, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
7: mentioned that to Roberta once, you know, that I used to watch Robert play back there, and she said, I I don't even remember that year. You know, she says, I just, I can't even remember what, what that year was. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, I just, things like that, that you remember where you was at a certain time, and mm-hmm. I was at the museum. So.
2: Now the apartment is a temporary home for some of Talkeetna's quarter million annual summer visitors. And the former classrooms now hold an expanding collection of Talkeetna's history. For some locals though, it will always be the little white or red schoolhouse.
1: The Blue Tarp is a production of Talkeetna Community Radio Inc. and KTNA Talkeetna. It is produced in partnership with the Talkeetna Historical Society. Our sponsors for season one are Studio Z Yoga, Mahay's Jet Boat Adventures, Denali Arts Council, Sheldon Chalet, West Hair Studio, Alaska Retreat, Moore's Hardware and Building Supply, Realtor Deanne Autry with McKinley View Real Estate, and the Sheldon Mountain House. This episode was narrated by Colleen Love. Elliot Hunker voiced our sponsor messages. Our interviewers were Holly Stinson, CeCe Schoenberger, and Sue Dio. The Blue Tarp theme was written and performed by Larry Zarella. Other music included in Blue Tarp episodes was written and performed by Doug Geating, Larry Zarella, Deborah Wessler, and Steve Durr. We would also like to give a special thanks to the members of the Blue Tarp's editorial board. The Blue Tarp is produced by me, Philip Manning. You can find out more about the Blue Tarp, including how to support the show, at ktna.org.